you showed up. So uh, it's uh, grateful for that. And for those who are listening online, really glad that uh, you're a part of uh, this as well. Uh, like John mentioned earlier, there's something about being in community that you don't get from the online experience. But uh, I encourage people not to just listen to this, but find things that you can just continue to sow into your heart. Uh, throughout the week, allowing God to, to work in your life in the everyday and live it in the everyday. And so just uh, this morning, um, we're a week away from Easter and we're finishing up a series. If you haven't been here for the last five weeks, well, you've missed the first five sessions of this series we called Making History. And it's been really, really cool. Uh, it's been a really, really cool series. Uh, I've had lots of great responses. It's been one of my favorite uh, series that we've done in, in a while. And simply because hearing your stories and hearing the stories of of people sharing at the front, uh, how those stories fit into his story. I had a guy last night, I mean, we had so many, so many responses, but a guy last night was saying, you know, I used to look at my story and all I could see was, you know, disgust. And I was like, that, that story, you know, it was, it was more gory than, than anything. But he says, and as a, he had just started coming here, he's like, as I heard other people share their stories, and he realized, you know what, God's done something in my life. I'm not that person anymore. And there was something good in that, uh, that he was, uh, you know, excited to be able to, to share himself. I think it's powerful. What we've been sharing is this thought that you guys are history makers. You just may not know that yet, but challenging you to be intentional about using your story for his glory. And we talked in the early weeks about it's like, a, like, like puzzle pieces. You know, when you do a puzzle, the missing piece is so important. Uh, when, when it doesn't matter which piece it is, if it's missing, it matters. And that's the same, same here, that God's using you to, to do what he wants to do on the planet in this day and age, in this time frame. There's not going to be another you. There's not going to be someone else who's able to do what God's designed you to do. And so we're challenging you to be intentional about it, no matter how old you, or young you are, to, to be intentional. And one of the things we realize is that your story and your life and the, where you're at in high school or wherever you are, you may be the, the, the one, the one and only one that will help connect others to Christ in that area. So it's powerful. The eternal destinies of people rest on this thing. And I think that's why it was so exciting. So even as we close up this, uh, this series called, you know, Making History, uh, my hope is that it's actually just begun. That as people uh, go from here, you would be encouraged to write out your story and to be ready to share it some, uh, someday. So I just want a couple thoughts. You know, I had a lady uh, email me uh, last week. And she says, I did it. I wrote up my story. I'm ready to preach. And I'm like, well, that's not exactly, you know, we, 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 we would have like 200 weeks. I guess I could retire and we could have 200 weeks of people sharing their stories. But, but I was, you know, I said, it's awesome that, that you have it ready. And she's like, but guess what? She says, since I wrote it out, this was a week ago. She says, I, I've already had the chance to share it with a complete stranger. And that we just happened to start talking and we started telling each other stories. And I knew what to tell them because I had written it out. And that's why we encourage you to write it out. I got a text from somebody. I didn't ask for permission, but I'm just going to share your text. It said this, thanks for, thanks for challenging us to write our testimonies. I took you up on the challenge, and it was kind of fun looking back and crafting my story. Uh, it has changed a lot since I last wrote it in university. And that thought, same thing. You know, your story is, is changing, ever-changing. Maybe you, maybe you wrote it out a long time ago, and you're like, ah, I would encourage you to look back at what God has done then and what God has done recently in your life. Um, people are sharing their stories at our men's group, I heard, which is pretty cool. Out of one of our women's groups, they're sharing their stories. At our starting point, they're sharing their stories. Uh, and many of you know Gary, he shares here. He's describing himself at our starting point group this week. He says, I'm kind of turned into a story junkie. It's like, I just like got to have the next one. Where's the next story? Uh, and, it, you know, it's, it's powerful. You, you see people in a different light. You see God in a, in a, in a, maybe in a different light as a result. And so I really, really, if there's any other thing we could say is, please, 
take the time for you and for others to write out your story. A couple weeks ago, we asked the question, who invited that guy? Uh, and uh, we thought, you know, the, the, truly, are there people around us that have never been invited, never, been, never, never found out or known that there's a God who loves them and that they're welcome to be a part of a family? And last week we talked about it. It's like a big family. And, and for some of us, it's like as people, we have those people in our life that we don't really want a lot to do with. And I, I, I felt like I had to make a disclaimer because last week, you know, when you were here and I had the apple and the, and the piece of dog poop, um, and some of you are like, what, dog poop? Uh, if you were, weren't here last week, you missed out. That was a Tootsie Roll, just so you know, okay? Because some of you were like really grossed out. Uh, and the apple, none of you wanted to eat it, but Lori DeVries did. She didn't even know it was a Tootsie Roll, and she just went right for it. So, <laughs> honey crisp, I'll take it. Um, those people, right? You know, but they're welcome here, right? That's, that's, how, that's what this is all about. And so we in- encourage and challenge you that we all have people in our life that we're like, I'd rather not hang out with them. Those people make me feel awkward. I don't want to talk to those people. That we said that we would push past that natural discomfort we have to make sure that we have room for the people that he has room for. As a church, we have room for the people that he has room for. And so I want to encourage you to think about who you may be inviting over the next couple of weeks to be invited to be a part of, uh, of his family. And so over the last couple of weeks, we gave you some reasons to share your story. Number one, it may be the one thing that connects others to Christ. It, uh, another reason to share your story is it gives God glory when you share your story about his goodness. One thing we didn't talk about, it's in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. It says it's one of the ways that you conquer the enemy in your life. It's, it talks about the believers in Christ. It says they overcame him or the enemy, the accuser. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, what Christ had done for them. And they didn't love their lives to death. And today I want to leave you with one final reason, one final reason to share your story. And and it's this, it's the simple, simple thing of showing gratitude to the one who gave you a story. To show gratitude to the one who gave you a story. Um, Have you ever done something for someone and, uh, you know, you didn't need to be paid, but you, you just hoped that they would say thank you? You know, you, you've done something for someone. Yeah, I see some heads nodding. You're like, you went out of your way for them. And then at the end, you're like, they're going to say thank you. And they're like, hey, can you, can you just do one more thing for me? You're like, uh. You know, or like, it's like when you help people move. You know, when you go and help people move, and then, and then at the end, they're like, you know, whatever. Like, hey, uh, yeah, actually, my buddy's moving next week. Can you come help us? It's like that feeling. Like, no, no, uh, uh, whatever. Have you been there? Do you remember how it feels? Maybe you're like, well, that's super petty, you know? You should just do it out of the goodness of your heart. I know you should. But there is that human part of us that says, I would really like to be thanked for that. Um, I think there's a lot of thankless jobs, and maybe you have some of them. There's certain, I'm not saying that these are bad jobs. I just don't think these people get thanked enough. Maybe they don't, I don't think they get paid enough. One would be the garbage man. Um, the garbage guy, you know, uh, as he comes to collect the garbage, you know, I found this, this is kind of neat, you know, these thank you notes that were posted on the garbage can, thank you, Mr. Garbage Man, you know, this happens like very rarely, uh, I saw another one on there, I thought it was just really clever, they said, hey, we just moved here, sorry for all the garbage, thank you so much for picking up our garbage, and he, the garbage man came, took the note, flipped it over and wrote, if you're really thankful, leave me a beer next time, and that was, uh, <laughs> I was like, clever, but just seeing that, you know, they, 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 they don't get thanked all that often. And I actually, you know, I heard some people who were super angry at the garbage man because he was tossing the, the garbage cans in the, in the wrong spot or leaving the, the, uh, the recycling bins in the wrong area. And they were upset. I'm like, you know what? He's picking up your garbage. You, you realize that, right? Like, the, he, he's, he's doing a job that you don't want to do. Uh, and, and 
He's doing that for you every single week. So some people figured out that these guys, maybe it was garbage men, they figured we don't get thanked enough. So they, they, they started a day, June 17. Just write that on your calendar. June 17 is National Thank Your Garbage Man Day. National Thank a Garbage Man Day, June 17. You may, you may want to try it. Another group that I don't think gets thanked enough is this. People are angry at their nurses, and yet nurses, I, I just love this. Be nice to nurses. We keep the doctors from accidentally killing you. Uh, uh, there's a whole number of them if you just, you know, Google thanking nurses. But people, you know, I hear people that are angry at nurses. Why? Well, you're at your worst. It's not where you want to be. You don't want to be in the hospital. You don't want to be sick. You're not feeling well. You're not at your best. And they're the closest people to take it out on. And so often that's the case. They figure they need more than a day. And so people have um, given May 6th to the 12th this year, which is a whole week for thank a nurse week. And I think that's something powerful. They don't get thanked enough. People are angry at them rather than grateful for them. And the third one, I think, this just goes without saying, but is parenting. If you're a parent, it can be a bit of a thankless job. People are angry at their parents. And I like Jim Gaffigan's thought. He said, raising kids may be a thankless job with ridiculous hours, but at least the pay sucks. Right? So as parents, you know, you, some of you are like, my kids are here. I can't laugh at that. You know, it's but we give them a day, right? Father's Day, Mother's Day. But I would just like to say, I think every day should be thank a parent day. My, my, my kids, oh man, it's this morning, my, my one son, I'm talking to him, and he just out of the blue says, Dad, we'd be better off without parents. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, kids would be better off if they didn't have to have parents. I was like, well, let's talk about this, because this is going to be perfect for today. I said, so tell me, like, what, what would be different? What would be better? Well, I wouldn't have to wait for screen time. I wouldn't have to wear whatever you guys tell me I have to wear. And I was like, you wouldn't have to wait for screen time. Was it, was it, what do you mean? He's like, well, I could just play whenever I wanted to. I'm like, and where would you get the screen? Well, I would get it with my money. And where would you get the money? Well, I would have a job, which means you wouldn't have any time to play screen. He's like... It's like I said, you know, kids would be better off without parents. And that conversation's over. But, but more often than not, as I, as I think about these thoughts, um, I find that I'm actually more often on the, the other side of the story. I'm, I'm more often on the side of, you know, not being thankful enough than one who's done something and needs to be thanked for. That's where I find myself drifting. I don't know if the same is true for you. But, uh, the, you know, yesterday I was talking with my, my son, and it was t- 10 in the morning. He's like, it's a terrible day. I'm like, already? Like, it just started. He's like, it's just terrible. The whole day's terrible. And so I began to ask him, you know, what's, what's one thing that's terrible about today? Well, Reese got to go to a birthday party, and I didn't. And I was like, okay, that's pretty terrible. But what's, before you go any further, what's one good thing about today? There's nothing good about today. Today's terrible. And so then we began to ask him, well, you know, did you know you're getting a donut today? He's like, I'm getting a donut? I'm like, yeah, on the way home, we're going to get you a donut. I'm like, donut party, this should help. And he's like, well, okay, that, 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 that was okay. But the rest of the day is terrible. I'm like, did you have to do school today? Well, no, but the rest of the day is terrible. And, and I was like looking outside, and it's like, wow, it's sunny out there. Isn't it beautiful? It's not raining. Yeah, well, but yeah, but the rest of the day is terrible. And how, how easy is it just to focus on the things that are going wrong and, and only seeing that and, and, realize, and, and forgetting to see the amazing things around us, or what's already been good, or what's already uh, good in our lives. And so today I just want to look at a couple stories. The gospel writers, the people who wrote Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they just wrote the accounts of what they saw Jesus doing, what they heard Jesus doing, or what they learned from others who were there, eyewitnesses, seeing what Jesus said and what he did. And they wrote down a couple stories, stories of what, of what Jesus had done in their own lives, uh, stories of what he had done in others' lives. And it's neat, there's a line in so many of the stories as I read through Luke that it says, 
afterwards, they, they went and told everybody what Jesus did. Even after Jesus told them, hey, don't go and tell anybody. Um, don't, don't go tell them that I just healed you. And they'd run off and tell everyone. Uh, it was a big part of their, their thing. And so the stories I want to tell you this morning are from Luke chapter 17 and Luke chapter 7. So if you have your Bible, just flip over there with me and we'll take a look. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Uh, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. Last week, we talked about Samaria. Samaria was like that town that nobody wanted anything to do with. These were people that we don't, we don't talk to. And Jesus was just on the border between, those, between Israel and, and Samaria. So he entered a village there. And there was 10 men with leprosy, and they stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They, last week, we talked about that as lepers. Whenever they came around people, they had to yell out, unclean, unclean, don't come near me, don't touch me. But these 10... You can hear 10 of them just shouting, Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on us. We can't come any closer. You know why. We're, we're, we're diseased. We're unclean, but have mercy on us. Verse 14, he looked at them and he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests, which is what anybody who was, going, who was cleansed of leprosy would have to do. Leprosy was like this, it, it, was, it was a range of different things from like from scaly skin on your face and hands all the way down to where you lost feeling uh, in your, in your uh, fingers and toes and where they, they, they'd start falling off because you didn't realize that you had wounded them. And so these, these 10 were told, go show yourself to the priest because if you thought you were healed of leprosy, you go and the priest would tell you if you really were. You know, he'd scrape your skin a little bit and like, no, nah, that's just cover up makeup. You still got it. You know, you're, you, gotta, you gotta stay. Or he's like, no, you're clean. You're good to go. So he looked at them and he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. All of them. Then it says this in the next verse. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan. It's almost like they just put that in the story, just to twist it a little bit deeper that, you know, the ones who didn't come back, they may have been, they may have been Jewish people, but this was a Samaritan. A Samaritan of all people was the one who came back. Verse 17, Jesus asked, didn't I, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give God glory except this foreigner? Even Jesus is a little bit of a dig there. You know, this foreigner, you know, he's the only one. But then Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. You know, one leper realized and returned. All of the lepers realized that they had been healed. For sure they did. They, they went and they knew they were cleansed of their leprosy. And, you know, they didn't all come running back to Jesus. But, you know, a lot of times those other nine get a bad rap. Like, you know, they're just ungrateful. That's not necessarily the case. They may have, a, they have, may have had their reasons why they didn't go back. You know, you can just picture it. They're walking all of a sudden. They're like, oh, one guy realizes, I'm healed. I can finally go see my wife. And I can finally go see my kids. I can't believe this. And runs off home. One of them's like, oh, I'm healed. Wait a second, I'm wearing leprous clothes. Like, no one's going to come near me as long as I'm wearing, I'm going, I'm going to Walmart. I'm getting new clothes, right? I got I, I to gotta be around people again. One might have just been so excited that they just totally forgot that, you know, what Jesus, that it was Jesus who had done it for them. It's like those kids at, at Christmas, they get a present, they're like, ah! The rest of the world just disappears. It's like, Xbox One, and they go for the rest of the, you know, the week. They're gone, right? It's same, same thoughts. And maybe they, they're, um, they had other, other reasons, but the thing that we realize is one was intentional about going back. One made a point to go back and thank Jesus. Jesus made a point to say, hey, where are the other nine? This should have been something that was more common. Luke made a point of writing, and I believe all of that is so that we would make a point of learning from it. 
that each of us would say, where, where, where do I fit in? Which, which one of those groups am I more like? Am I, am I more like the one who is super grateful for what God's done in my life? Or am I like the others who just maybe takes it for granted a little more often than I'd like? You know, I, I ask myself that question. Do, do I take what Christ has done in my life for granted? And I have to answer that more often than not, yes. That I, that I don't live my life all the time just being so grateful for what Christ has already done. My, my default is, God, there's still lots of stuff you haven't done yet. There's still stuff that I'm kind of waiting for. Or how do I feel on, on that day? Do I wake up and do I, do I you know, feel like praising God? Or do I, you know, do I feel like everything's going in my life? Do I feel like God loves me? Whatever. Or do I take for granted what he's already done? You know, the four gospel writers, they tell... Uh, Two other stories. It's two stories. It's two separate stories. They're very similar, but they're two very um, unique accounts when we read them. Um, all four of them write about them. The two different people are two different women, and it's, it's this story. If, you, if you're familiar with it, you know, through Holy Week, they look at the one story. One was this girl named Mary. Mary's, uh, her brother's name was Lazarus. He was the guy who died, and Jesus raised him from the dead. And then there was a, she, she went and she washed Jesus' feet. And then there was another woman who did the same things, but she was this immoral woman, this one who everyone in town knew that she was like the one who was sleeping with everybody. That's the woman who came and washed Jesus' feet. And both did a very similar thing for Jesus. And the disciples, uh, both were like, uh, when, when these things happened, both of them had negative reactions to these two women who did this. And Jesus says about Mary, he says, you know what? Don't look at her negatively for washing my feet. What she's done for me is going to be shared everywhere that the gospel, the good news is shared. They're going to tell this story. And it's happening again this morning. What Jesus said is true, that 2,000 years later, we're still telling this story. But both accounts have been told for centuries. And I want to look more at the other one this morning. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus, so one of the religious leaders asked Jesus to come have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and he sat down to eat. And verse 37, when a certain immoral woman, certain immoral woman, they, they knew who this woman was. When she, which, uh, a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Verse 38, then she knelt behind him at his feet weeping. Can you just picture this? You know, back then they, they ate laying down, so they'd all be facing the table, their feet kind of back. And, and here comes this woman, and she just begins to cry on the feet of Jesus. And she says, she begins to wipe the tears off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. See, we, we don't, this is bizarre to us because it's, it's, so, it's so not cultural. You know, when they came here this morning, they shook your hand because if we said, hey, let me take off your shoes, let me wa wash your feet for a minute before you come on in here, you'd be like, I'm going to another church. I'm never going back there. I'm telling my friends, don't go there. That's weird. See, we don't do that kind of stuff. But back then, as they were walking down the laneway here, you know, they'd be walking through Charlie DeBoer's pig farm and all his pigs would have made messes everywhere and they're walking on through, then through Vandermolens, no biosecurity in effect, walking through the, you know, the, the, the cow manure and then, you know, someone's horse or chicken, maybe Scott's chicken's just next door, you know, and he walks through there and, and then they arrive here. They got crap all over their feet. They stink. It's dirty. I know I said that word, sorry. And then, then they, would, they would have somebody, usually the, the, the lowest servant, the guy with the least seniority, they would pull that person in and say, hey, listen, you're on foot washing duty today. And as these guys would walk in, they would wash all of that off of their feet before they walked into a home to have dinner. And the homeowners would appreciate it. That's kind of, they, they were wearing sandals, so they had no, nothing to keep their feet clean. And so 
here's what happens. And here's where this woman is like, she's, she's crying over Jesus' feet, washing his feet, anointing them with this, um, this perfume and kissing his feet. Verse 39, it says, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, so he didn't say it out loud, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman's touching him. She's one of those people. She's a sinner. So you know what he's thinking? He's like, you know what? If this guy's a prophet, he can't be much of a prophet because he doesn't know who, what kind of woman's touching him. And if he's a prophet and he's letting her touch him, well, then he's got issues. I, I don't know who this guy is, but then I love this thought. Verse 40, then Jesus answered his thoughts. Don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> you know, you're like, you're thinking something and all of a sudden, like, he just like speaks right to, to what you were thinking. He says, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, and of course, you can just picture pious Simon. Yes. I have something to say to you. He's like, go ahead, teacher. Not, you know, belaying at all that he doesn't think, you know, this guy's really a prophet to be listened to. Verse 41, then Jesus told him a story. Why does he tell stories? Stories speak to the heart. Stories are the things that, that catch people maybe unaware, but they catch them. He says this. He told them this story. Simon, there was a man who loaned some money to two people. He loaned 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave both of them, canceling their debts. And you're like, if you don't deal in silver, just picture, you know, one 1,000, another 10,000. Or if you're in the big high rolling, then 10,000 and 100,000. Or a million and 10 million, but 10 times the price. He said, he canceled both their debts. And so Simon, who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, he said, I suppose that the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, hey, look at this woman kneeling here. Did, did you happen to notice her? He's like, when I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she's washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. So we know those feet were probably dirtier than usual. He says, verse 45, you didn't greet me with a kiss. But from the time I first came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. But she's anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, Simon, that her sins, she's listening too, and they are many. He says, they've been forgiven. And so she has shown me much love as a result. But a person who's forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Man, when you picture that moment, here she is just in that spot, and here's Jesus talking about her in front of her. Right? Like, hey, Simon, notice this woman? Yeah, she's really sinful, eh? Yeah, I, yeah, I know. She has lots of sins, but guess what? They're forgiven. And it's the reason why she loves much. And he says, Simon, basically saying, Simon, you think you've been forgiven little. That's why you didn't do any of these other things, because you just assume that you've been forgiven little. You take for granted what you've been forgiven. See, we can sometimes be so tempted to forget what Christ has done in our lives uh, and we, we're tempted to focus on what hasn't yet happened in our lives, and we lose sight of what has happened. See, we lose sight of what, what Christ did for us on, on a cross 2,000 years ago. I, I love that we celebrate Easter and Good Friday because it forces us to think about this. It forces me to. You know, but it should be something that I would think about every single day, and, and, and I sometimes wonder, wonder uh, if we think about it enough. You know, Good Friday, it's another reminder of what Christ has done. I'm just going to tell you a story about me this morning. A number of years ago, 
when I started, uh, I was at Sweets Corners is where I was pastoring with Wes DeVries. I was a youth pastor. He was a lead pastor. And uh, as we, we would, um, we'd go to Good Friday services. Um, and then when Kingsway started, I would just go to the Good Friday service, kind of the, whichever one was happening in town. We didn't have one here. Uh, and so there was kind of like the feelings were like, hey, you know, we'd say, hey, just go join the other churches. It's a great day to go and join some of the other churches. But that's not really what was going on here. In my heart, it was more of this thing of, hey, it's a day off. <laughs> it's an extra Friday where, you know, I can just, I don't have, I, I take the whole day off, whatever. And so um, we'd say, hey, go to other churches, and a handful of people would go. And, and then in 2012, something happened to me, and it was, uh, uh, we, I was, it was the week right before um, Easter. And I was preaching here on a Sunday morning. It was April Fool's Day, April 1st. And so I was preaching this sermon about fools because, well, hey, it fit. And as I was talking about three different kinds of fools, I got to fool number three. And I was talking about how there's, uh, the, the fool is the person who doesn't realize what Christ has done for them. And as, as I'm talking, I must have been so anointed that day that I convicted myself. I'm just kidding. I was, I was so convicted, not because of what I was saying, but because as I heard the words, the Lord just pounded them into my heart saying, Mark, this is you. And I began to just ball my eyes out. For those of you here, remember how awkward it was? It was really kind of awkward. That was kind of like the sermon was ending just because I couldn't talk anymore. And at the end, it kind of through my tears. I just basically said, you know what? Here we haven't had a good Friday service. I thought it was a day off when really it's the most important day of the year that I should be honoring the price that was paid for me. Real price really paid for me. And as I, as I began just saying that, I just said, you know what? I don't care if any of you are here on, the, on Friday. I'll be here all by myself, just me and Jesus, but I'll be here. And that was the end of the service. And so Good Friday, I came here, and I figured it would just be me. But there was a whole bunch of other people here, and I was like, what are you guys all doing here? And, and then somebody said, well, we just came to see if you would cry again. Right? <laughs> Very true. For those of you here, yes, you remember, and it's like, it's like, oh, you know, but, but I realized something. Beth was asking me this week, are we celebrating good, you know, are we celebrating Good Friday at our church? I'm like, if I'm alive, we're celebrating Good Friday because I'm never going to go through that again. I never want to be, have to be reminded that way, but to be reminded of what Christ has done for us, to realize what Christ has done for us is so powerful. If we forget if we forget, we live as though our lives, as though it's just something to be taken for granted. Uh, Matt Redman wrote a song called Once Again. I just want to read the lyrics uh, to you. We used to sing it a long time ago, and it just came back to my mind again. It says this, Jesus Christ. And maybe as you, as you hear the words, would you, just, would you just think them for yourself? Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice, how you became nothing. You were poured out to death. Many times I've wondered at the gift of love and, and your gift of life. And I'm in that place once again. Once again, I look on the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy, and I'm broken inside. Once again, I thank you. Once again, I pour out my life. Now you are exalted to the highest place. You're king of the heavens, and one day I'll bow. But for now, I marvel at your saving grace, and I'm full of praise once again. I am full of praise once again. Just as once again, I look on the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy, and I'm broken inside. Once again, I thank you. Once again, I pour out my life. And at the end of the song, it just over and over says these words, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, my friend. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, my friend. When's the last time that you 
thought those words. I began to think about it for me. I think about forgiveness, that he really paid for my forgiveness, that he took my shame. When shame still tries to come on me, I'm reminded that he took it. When guilt comes on and says, Mark, you're not good enough. You don't live up to it. You're not perfect. I'm reminded that he did it for me. When I think about the fact that he paid for freedom, that he gave me worth, that for the first time I realize I am loved, not because of what I do, but because of who I am and you are as well, that he brought me into relationship, brought me into family, and gave me eternity, the opportunity of eternity with him. Thank you for the cross, my friend. See, back in you know, Old Testament times as the Hebrews would be going on their way to the temple, they had these words called praise, and we just say the word praise, and we think that's part of, you know, the first half of what we do on stage here with the music, the, the fast songs, that's praise. But they had these seven different words, and one of those words was simply thanksgiving, just being thankful. Uh, and as they would walk, you know, on their way to the temple, they'd be telling one another stories on the way. Sometimes it was miles, and be like, hey, you know what, guess what God did for me? And be like, you know, I had these, these uh, my, my sheep, they had four lambs. That's amazing. Last year, they only had two. Well, that's cool. Praise God. And then they keep walking, saying, you know what, and, and my donkeys, they didn't die this year. And be like, oh, praise God. And they keep walking and saying, this is what God did for me. My wife's pregnant again. You know, it's like, this is this is what God, and they're like, thank you, thank, and, you know, praise God for that. And that's what they would do, is they would tell their stories. See, we, we don't really do that that often. It, it'd be like me saying, hey, check out my cool sweater. See my new sweater? This is a pretty sweet sweater. It's like, um, I'm not sure, it's, it's made out of, feel it, it's really, it's really cool feeling material. I know, you can hug me later. It really is kind of neat. But you know, if you look, at, you look at my sweater, I'd tell you, that, you know what, Simone gave this to me last night. So she must have been thinking about me. It's like, maybe that guy needs, you know, to start jogging or something. But it's like athletic wear. So if I do feel inspired to jog now, I can. Uh, it's got like a school place to hold the phone. And, but someone gave it to me. Just she thought, hey, I got this, you know, these at my work. And AOS, I wasn't sure what that is. Alpacas on steroids or always on standby or all or something. I don't know. But, but he would love this. And I do. I wore it last night. I wasn't even going to take it off. But I thought it would be wrinkly in the morning if I wear it to bed. So I'll, I'll wear it again. But what a great gift. Saman did that for me. Let's all praise Saman. Wow, that's pretty good. See, we, and she goes red. Why? Because we, we rarely, we just don't do that. And yet, that is what their understanding of praise was. As they would walk, they'd say, guess what? Here's what God did for me. That, that if you were to go to your work tomorrow and say to somebody, hey, this is, this is what God did for me. Do you realize that God died for me? That, walking to work the next, you know, tomorrow at your factory is like, hey, guess what? God loves me. How many of you do that? Everybody kind of look at you as like, well, that's weird. And even the Christians would. But there's something that we're missing about how powerful that is to say, I'm aware of what Christ has done for me. Because too often what happens is that when we, when we um, become uh, just, I guess, so used to something, we forget how powerful it is. Marriage is the same thing. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be starting like talking about relationships and marriage. And one of the thoughts is this, that... Sometimes we just expect our spouse to do something because they've always done it. You know, that's kind of their job. He does the dishes, she does the cooking, or he does the barbecuing, or she takes out the garbage, or whatever it is. And it's like, you don't, you know, you, you forget to say, wow, thank you. Thank you for filling up the car with gas. That was awesome. Thank you so much for making that, that delicious meal. Thank you for making the bed in the morning and putting all the pillows out there so it looks really nice. Thank you for vacuuming the house. Thank you for just, you know, waking up on the right side of the bed this morning. How many of those opportunities did you miss this morning? 
See, what happens is we become so used to something happening that we kind of take it for granted that it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden we feel like it's owed to us after a while. And then when it doesn't happen, we're like, you do know there's dishes in the sink, don't you, honey? So uh, we vacuuming this week or next? Yeah, I know you all laugh as if it's never happened to you. But that's what happens to us, isn't it? It's kind of how we drift. And, and marriage is one thing. It affects relationships. What about this one? So I want to leave you with this thought. I often hear people who are angry at God for something. And I always wonder why. What do we ever have any right to be angry at God for anything? I believe the reason why is we forget what's already been done. And we think that we're missing something that he hasn't yet done. You know, I think that just like the garbage man, the nurse, and the parent, God's the one who came, sent his son to take the garbage out of our lives. He's already done that. He's the one who's like that nurse who says, I'll see you at your worst, and I'll lovingly care for you at your worst. He's already done that. He's like that perfect heavenly father, the perfect heavenly parent who's always got our best interests in mind is doing the right thing for us uh, and we we don't even realize that he's already done that for us that when we got it wrong he made it right already for us thank you for the cross my friend so my question and challenge for you is this one final reason to write out your story your story is a reminder to you of what christ has done in your life Your story is a reminder to you of what Christ has done in your life, primarily the opportunity to give him thanks, that you might say, thank you for the cross, my friend. And for some of you, like, man, my story's old, you know. I gave my heart to Jesus when I was five, and now I'm like 90, well, whatever you are, like, you know, 60, whatever. It's like, it's it's an old story. Can I tell you this? The newest story in the Bible is over 2,000 years old, the newest one. And yet, the story of a leper still powerful today, 2,000 years later. The story of a woman or two women washing Jesus' feet, still powerful today, 2,000 years later. Your story is still powerful 10, 20, 30, 40 years later if it's a story of what Christ has done in you. Would you tell your story? If you've been forgiven much, and you have, (laughs) we don't realize that we've been forgiven much, that our response should be, thank you, thank you, thank you for the cross, my friend, because without it, be in trouble. Thank you for the cross, my friend. So this morning, my challenge to you as followers of Jesus, would you take some time just to write it out? Take some time to give thanks for what Christ has done in your life. And for those of you who are not followers of Jesus, and you just like came to church and like, hey, cool stuff happens there, or they serve free brownies, or whatever reason you decide to come, free child care for Sunday mornings, I'll go. I just want to let you know that there really is a God who really knows your name. And he really, really cares about you. That that's not just words. That is truer than than truth itself. The fact that we know is that he sent his son Jesus to really die on a cross. For all the areas we got wrong, he made it right. And he's welcoming you, not into into this this, uh, obligation or welcoming you into this religion. He's welcoming you to come and know him as your heavenly father, to be in relationship with him take you on a journey that, yeah, quite frankly, is life-changing. And for the better, that's open to you. And for those of you here who know people around you who don't know Christ, would you invite them next week? Would you bring people next week? Our Easter services, Good Friday and Easter, will be geared towards people who don't know Christ. Would you bring them?
Would you take opportunities this week to write your story, to share your story, share what Christ has done? But ultimately, would you take an opportunity to thank him for what he's done for you? We pray. Father, I I just want to say thank you. Just those words just don't even seem like enough. But thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for loving me, for seeing me in spot, the trouble that I've gotten myself into and paying the price that I could not pay. Thank you, Jesus, for being willing to go through and endure the cross, that you saw relationship with me as something worth having. Thank you for doing it for me. Father, I pray for every person in this place this morning that you would do what I can't. Would you make that real in their hearts this morning? As we think back to where we would be without you, that it would just inspire us to praise you for what you've done in our lives. That we would share with our world around us how amazing, how amazing your love is. God, thank you for that. We go out from this place. We know we go with you and in your name for your glory and for the good of others. We pray in your name.